Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Exodus, chapter 21. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Moses is on the mountain, and God is giving him the law of God, and the law of Moses. Now remember, audience participation, the law is divided into how many components? Two. And you have what? The law of God, and you have the law of Moses. Now remember so many, some weeks ago, we pointed out that there are differences, and I need to remind you that there are differences between the law of God and the law of Moses. The law of God We just completed that study. That would be the Ten Commandments. And the law of God, as we pointed out, is eternal, unchanging, and binding upon all men at all times, the law of God. And then secondly, we have the second component of the law is the law of Moses. And we talked about this. The law of Moses deals with the ceremonial civil aspects of the nation of Israel. And the laws of Moses are applicable to Israel only. The law of Moses, are you listening, is not applicable to Jewish or to Gentile people. And you find the law of Moses in Exodus chapter 21, 22, and 23. There are also differences between the law of God and the law of Moses in that, as we've pointed out, the law of God was given audibly from Mount Sinai and everyone heard it. And the laws of Moses was given privately to Moses. And Moses was to communicate it to the people. The law of God, remember we pointed out, was written with the finger of God on on tablets of stone. And the laws of Moses was dictated from God to Moses, and Moses then put them in writing. The law of God was miraculously preserved in the Ark of the Covenant. And the law of Moses was not to be kept in the Ark of the Covenant. We talked about those differences. And so tonight we come to Exodus, and we're still on Mount Sinai. Now get this, the mountain is still shaking. It's been shaking for months, actually. And, 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 and it's smoking. And there's the sound of the trumpets, and there's fire. And God is giving Moses several ordinances tonight in Exodus 21, dealing with slavery and personal injury. Slavery... And personal injury. I don't know why I say personal injury and I think of James Scott Farron. I have no... Is he here tonight? I mean, what is up with that? I can't even get it out of my head. James Scott Farron. Call the hurt line. Exodus chapter 21, we'll pick up in verse 1, saints, if you're looking at it, say amen. Now, these are the judgments which you shall set before them. 
If you buy a Hebrew servant, you're going to find tonight fascinating. If you buy a Hebrew servant, he shall serve six years, and in the seventh, he shall go out free and pay nothing. If he comes in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he comes in married as a slave or a servant, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master has given him a wife and she has borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters and he shall go out by himself. But if the servant plainly says in verse five, are you looking at it? I love my master, my wife and my children. I will not go free. Then his master shall bring him to the judges. He shall also bring him to the door or to the doorpost. And his master shall do what, saints? Pierce his ear with an awl, and he shall serve him forever. And in verse 7, I'll pick this up. And if a man sells his daughter to be a female slave, she shall not go out as the male slaves do. If she does not please her master who has betrothed her to himself, then he shall let her be redeemed. He shall have no right to sell her to a foreign people. Can't sell them to the Canaanites, the Hittites, or any of the otherites. No foreign people since he has dealt deceitfully with her. And if he has betrothed her to his son, he shall deal with her according to the custom of daughters. If he takes another wife, he shall not diminish her food, her clothing, and her marriage rights. And if he does not do these three for her, then she shall go out free without paying money. Notice in our text, look at verse 1 again. Now these are the judgments which you shall set before them. Notice God is giving instructions, notice to the judges. In the Hebrew language, in your margin, you could write this word, Elohim, Elohim, E-L-O-H-I-M, Elohim, and that's the Hebrew word for gods. The judges of Israel were called gods because God gave them ordinances and precepts, and so they judged the nation. They were to judge the nation on behalf of God. And so these are the judgments, God says, which you shall set before them. And so we begin in the laws of Moses with a law, notice in regard to, did you get this? In regard to slaves, in regard to servants. Notice God begins these judgments by talking about the purchase of a slave. Now, in the Jewish culture, among the Israeli people, this is a very familiar topic because every culture in that day had slaves. They came, remember, out of Egypt, and they were slaves in Egypt. Remember that? So every culture had slaves, every culture. The Egyptians had slaves, the Assyrians had slaves, the Babylonians had slaves, and the Israelites had slaves. And the difference, though, note this, is that God is giving his people ordinances, laws that give slaves rights. No slave on the earth had rights. God is saying, I understand my people, Israel, they're going to have slaves, but God is giving these slaves 
Right. Now, you want to understand something here. Basically, listen, there were basically four ways a Hebrew might become a slave. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. You might become a slave if you were really poor and you sell your freedom. You'll find that in Leviticus chapter 25, verse 39. You might become a slave if your father sells you into slavery. Exodus, we just read that. Chapter 21, verse 7, we just read it. Or you might become a slave if you go bankrupt and you become a servant to your creditor. Second Kings chapter four, verse one. You would become a slave if you couldn't make proper restitution or refund. Say you stole something and, and you needed to refund it. You needed to give it back. If you couldn't do that or you needed to make restitution and you couldn't pay it back, then you would become a slave. We'll read that in chapter 22 the next time we get together. So there were four basic ways of becoming a slave. So notice the first regulation that God puts on them in our Bibles in verse 2. Are you looking at it? The first regulation that God puts on them is the length of service. You see that in verse 2? If you see it, say amen. If you buy a servant, he shall serve six years. And in the seventh year, you have to let him go and give him money to start all over a slave. Now, if you fast forward to the New Testament, you already know this. If you fast forward to the New Testament, you see the word slave. You have the Greek word. Do you know it? Doulos. You know that. Don't you remember? It was in Second Peter chapter one, verse one. Peter introduces himself as a doulos, as a slave. Jude chapter one, verse one says Jude, the doulos or the slave of Jesus Christ. Remember Romans chapter one, verse one, as Paul introduced himself as Paulus doulos. Paul, the servant, Paul, the slave. In the New Testament, Christians refer to themselves as slaves. Don't you find it interesting, though, that in the church today, give me your attention, people are so caught up on titles. <laughs> Reverend, doctor, bishop, whomever. Isn't it very interesting? You don't hear anybody saying, calling themselves Reverend Dr. Slave. You don't. Nobody takes that title when, in fact, in the Bible, that's the only real title we're given. Think about it. That's the only real title we're given. We are slaves of Jesus Christ. How many letters do you get in the mail from someone and they say, dear, you know, Rodney, slave? No, not many. Or signed, you know, yours in Christ, slave, whoever. You don't. When in fact, that's the only title we're given in the scriptures. We are also slaves of Jesus Christ. Amen, saints. And notice in our Bibles, if you came into this slave relationship, according to the scriptures, you came into the slave relationship with a wife. When you leave, you can take your wife. If you came in by yourself, when you leave, you must leave by yourself. So if you became a slave and you fell in love with a slave girl 
and y'all got married and you had kids. Listen, when you left, you had to leave the little missus and the kids with the master. According to the Bible, we just read that. And the reason is this, because she was there when you got there. She was there. So a slave. Now, if you were a slave, according to the Bible, we just read it in the seventh year the law allowed a slave to choose to remain a slave or be set, set free. If you chose to remain a slave and stay with your master, then get this, they would have a ceremony. And the master would bring you before the judges, and together, you and your master, you would tell of the decision to remain a slave. And then the master would take the slave and take his ear and put it to the doorpost, and then they would take an awl or a nail and they would drive it through the earlobe and pin you to the doorpost. Can we say, ouch? <laughs> and pin you to the doorpost, literally. And the ceremony of piercing the ear would then seal the deal that you chose to remain a slave. He was a free man, but now a committed slave of love for the rest of of his life. Isn't that beautiful? And then the master and the slave would then walk arm in arm back to the house. You know, saints, I read that story and I thought of this. I got to believe this is what God wants from us. As, as they walk back arm in arm, you know, I can just imagine God looking down from heaven and saying, you know what? That's what I want for my people. I want my people who will take the freedom that I offer them but then use it to walk with me and serve me. Don't you think that God would be looking down from heaven at that whole ceremony? You know, there's a story, listen to this, and I don't really know whether it's true or not, but there's a story about President Abraham Lincoln who helped in abolishing slavery in our country. And the story goes like this. One day he went down to the slave block to buy a slave girl. And as she looked at the well-dressed white man bidding on her, she figured that he was just another white man who was going to buy her and abuse her. Well, Lincoln won the bid, but as he was walking away with his legal property, he said, young lady, you are free. And she was silent for a moment. And then she asked, what does that mean? It means you are free. Does that mean I can say what I want to say? Yes. Does that mean I can say what I want to do and what I don't want to do? Yes, of course. Does it mean I can go where I want to go? Yes, you can go wherever you want to go, Lincoln said. And then with tears streaming down her face, she said, then I will go with you. Isn't that great? You see, this girl was a slave captivated by love. Now, listen, when a Hebrew slave was set free in the seventh year, he decided to have his ear pierced and this whole ear piercing thing uh, uh, had several implications, or it was saying several things. Now, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. First of all, this whole ear-piercing thing was saying, I have made my choice. Look at verse 5 in your Bibles. This was a decision. It couldn't be made for him. Notice in verse 5, it, the servant plainly says, he had to choose he made his choice. Nobody could choose it for him. His parents couldn't choose it for him. His wife couldn't choose it for him. 
Your husband couldn't choose it for you. Your, no one can choose it for you but yourself. You were making a choice, number one. Secondly, it was a declaration that you have declared your love. Notice again in verse five. If the servant plainly says, what? Are you looking at it? What does he say? I love my master. You see, I've declared my love. That's what it says. That's what God is looking for in his people. Did you know? God wants people whose hearts love him. Somebody say amen. God wants people to become Christians. Are you listening? Because they love him. Not because they are getting fire insurance. You understand? Some folks, sad but true, they become a Christian because they don't want to go to hell. Now, listen, don't misunderstand me. That's a huge Benny. <laughs> that is a huge Benny. Who wants to go to hell? Nobody wants to go to hell. But God doesn't really want us to become Christians because we don't want to go to hell. God wants us to become Christians because we love him. Because we understand what he has done for us. And we respond to that in love for him, in service to him, as slaves to him, in that we love him. So we declare our love. Secondly, this ear piercing, that's what I'm talking about, had several implications. Point number three, the third thing the slave was saying was that I have acknowledged my debt. Look at it again in verse five in your Bible. I love my master, my wife, and my children. In other words, the slave knew that all the blessings he was enjoying had come from his master's hand. They were blessings of the household. The fourth thing it was saying or declaring is I have announced my commitment. Look at it in your Bibles in verse six. Then his master shall bring him to the judges. Did you see that? You see, he made a very public declaration of his intention to be a voluntary slave for life. Becoming a slave, are you tracking with me? Becoming a slave was no private deal. This was like closet slaves. Well, I'm going to become a slave, but I'm not going to tell anybody about it. No, 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 no. You go to the judges, you stand before the people, you stand before the gate, and it happens before all the people. It was a public declaration. Need I say, don't you know? Becoming a Christian and giving your life to Jesus should not be some closet thing that nobody knows about. Somebody needs to say amen. That's the truth. That's what baptism is all about, by the way. Baptism is an outward sign of an inward reality, and you do that publicly so that people can know that you are identified with Christ, that you are a Christian. That's what baptism is all about. It's about making a public declaration of your faith and your commitment to Christ. And so was this ear piercing thing. It was a public declaration announcing your commitment. Number five, if you're still trekking with me, I, it says, I have yielded my obedience. Again, in verse six, he shall also bring him to the door or to the doorpost and his master shall pierce his ear with an awl. You see, listen, the ear is the symbol of obedience because it's the listening part of your body. It's a symbol of obedience, the part that receives instruction. And then finally, talking about 
the symbolism of the ear piercing and what it means. Point number six. And finally, it says, I have attached my future. I have attached my future. Look at it again in verse six. Look at those last few words in verse six. And he shall serve him for how long? Forever. Listen, when the master drove that all through the ear, it went into the doorpost. And for a moment, for that moment, the slave was literally pinned to the master's house. And his destiny was tied to that house and to that master's destiny. And the good of the house was the servant's number one concern. It was his life. The master would put an earring in the ear as a sign of a commitment for better or for worse. The servant is saying, I'm here. My future is attached to this house. My future is attached to the master. You understand? And they would wear earrings in their ears. Now, today people wear earrings in their ears because it looks cool. And, and, and some, they think it looks cool, whatever. But in the Bible, when men walked around with earrings in their ears, everybody knew that person is a doulos, is a bondservant. If you're still listening, say amen. amen. This is huge. Now, with that being said, listen, this is also a beautiful picture of Jesus Christ, who is the perfect servant who had his ear pierced, if you will. Jesus was a servant to the father. Jesus was a doulos in that, listen, he chose to be a servant because he loved his wife. Who would that be, saints? The church. And he loved his kids. He had his ear pierced. How do you know, Rodney? Psalm 40, verse 6 through 9, reads this. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears you have opened or pierced. Burn offering and sin offering you did not require. And then I said, behold, I come in the scroll of the book or the volume of the book. It is written of me. Again, in Isaiah chapter 50, verse 5. The Lord God has opened or what saints pierced my ear and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. You see, listen, Jesus first coming. He didn't come as a king to be served. He came as a servant to give his life as a ransom for many. Philippians chapter two, verse five through eight. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant. There's the word saints and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself and he became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Listen, because Jesus loved his master, because Jesus loved his wife, he went to the doorpost. The doorpost speaks of the cross. And when they nailed him to the doorpost, are you following? His blood was shed on the wood, on the doorpost, on the cross. His blood 
stained the wood, just like the servant's blood in our story, in our text, would stain the doorpost of the house. Do you understand? In type and in picture. Very important. So Jesus became a servant, and not only did Jesus become a servant to his father, who loved his wife, who loved his kids, but he also, like the doulos in our story, became a servant forever. What do you mean, Rodney? Because the Bible says that he ever lives to make intercession for us. He became a servant forever. You see, and Jesus, I mean, you want to get a picture of a servant. Jesus is the full picture, and he goes all the way and leads the way with this whole servant idea. Don't you remember in John chapter 13, as Jesus is gathered in the upper room with the disciples, and they came for lunch, you know the story. They came in for lunch and nobody washed their feet, which was a very important thing in that culture because when you ate in that culture, you would recline. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.